Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it out. share some of my favorite why I'm single tweets from you guys and thank you so much for being honest and sending these in it's great <laughs> this first one's from Matt Daisy Ski he says I keep snacks in my pocket once on a date I was caught sneaking a handful of cinnamon toast crunch while waiting for our food oh. you want some this one's from at at Wawa Ike Wawa Ike he says, uh, I held the door for a girl I had a crush on. She said, thank you. Then I jumbled up, you're welcome, with no problem, and said, your problem. <laughs> now you, I, it's your problem. Now you're going you. to have to walk yeah. in without opening the door. So, oh, I'm bleeding. That's your problem. This one's from Matt. KT12346. Get it? <laughs> what? <laughs> One, two, three, four, six. Oh, I get it. Right. <laughs> Wait, I don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it? No, no, no. KT. KT. One, two, three, four, six. Get it? Missing the five? Give me five. <laughs> well, she says, I have a framed photo of Chris Hemsworth that I signed hanging above my bed. It says, thanks for everything, Katie. Love, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's a good dude. I bet you he would do that. Yeah, we should get that for him. We should get that to at KT12346, uh, Chris Hemsworth, if you're watching. Just send it to her. Yeah. Send her frame photo. It says, you thanks got for it, everything, mate. Katie. Love, Chris. Yeah. He's a good dude. He'll do that. He's a good dude. Yeah. Uh, he says, I'm a health inspector. On dinner dates, I can't help pointing out all the health code violations in the restaurant. <laughs> Leaky air conditioner. Yeah. There's rat feces the in gift the corner. Curse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some's allowed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one's allowed. <laughs> There's a funny one here. Is it a good one? This one's from I Matt, uh, Alicia Baltus. Alicia Baltus. She says, when I eat cake, I flip it upside down so I can lick the icing off the plate when I'm done with the cake. <laughs> I like her. I'd do that. Yeah. I'd never thought of that. That's class. That's pretty cool. Last one's from at Christy Shark 89. <laughs> I get that one. I sharked. She says a guy I was dating sat down on the couch next to me. I proceeded to whisper to myself, that's the cat spot. <laughs> there you have it. Those are tonight's show hashtags. You got more of our favorites. Go to tonightshow.com slash hashtag. Man, I love Jamie Fallon. He's my favorite. Um, have, welcome, everyone. My name is Jamie, and I'm the Revive Young Adult Minister. And I love it when people are confident enough or secure enough just in who they are to poke fun at themselves a little bit and be like, yeah, that's the cat spot. You can't, you can't sit there, and maybe that's why I'm single. I don't know. So um, as we begin this series this month on relationships, I just thought a little bit of good laughter and Jimmy Joy would be a really good way to start a series. 
series on relationships because so often when we talk about relationships, there's all this fun, exciting part of talking about love and being like, I don't know, is that person like, is that person single? Is that person maybe interested in me? Like there's the fun part of talking about relationships. And also at the same time, I know that when we start talking about relationships, that brings up stuff for people. It can bring up past hurts. It can bring up wounds. It can just just kind of stir the pot for people's um, emotional lives a little bit. And so I always like starting with laughter and also Jimmy because he's, he's just hilarious. And so we're going to be talking about all sorts of different relationship statuses in this series. I'm really excited about it. And no matter, so tonight we're going to be talking about the first one on the list that is uh, highlighted. We're going to we're going to be talking about being single. And if you are single, cool, great. I feel like there might be some things for you in this tonight. If you are not single, cool, great. I really think there's also going to be things for you. So no matter what your relationship status is, I would encourage you, if you care about relationships and you want to invest in your relationships, and if you're really interested in knowing how you can improve your relationships, your relationship life, looking at them through the lens of Jesus Christ and through the lens of faith, I really think there's something for everyone in this whole series. So I would encourage you to not just be like, oh, I'm going to be there that week because that's me. I'm going to be there that week because I want that to be me. (laughs) I would just encourage you to be here for the whole series because I think that there's going to be some really incredible pieces of learning. Um, And so I'm really, I'm just really excited that you're here. Also a quick note, we're going to be talking about some really, like we're not talking about a ton of complicated relationship statuses as we talk about being single, dating, engaged, married, and then I added one at the very end, (laughs) just called done, (laughs) because sometimes you're just done, right? And so, uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking as specifically as possible, but also I know there's going to be some generalizations generalizations that get made just because there's no way to speak exactly to your particular relationship thing that you got going on that's complicated or whatever. So, uh, but I really just encourage you to be leaning in and listening for what it is that God might have to say to you tonight. And I think opening worship tonight just really set the stage for us. So thank you so much to the worship team. Praise God for uh, Jacob, for our worship team. We're really excited that you guys are here. Thank you so much for leading us in worship as we uh, got going tonight. So, When we talk about relationships, there's one metaphor that kind of came to mind, and that is of a board game that I played as a kid. Did any of you play Shoots and Ladders as a kid? You can raise your hand. Yes, Shoots and Ladders. I looked it up. I played the version that I'm pretty sure my grandma had. (laughs) So I actually played this game that you can see pictured on the left. Um, If you're listening on the podcast, sorry, you can just imagine a really old Shoots and Ladders board. So that's the one that I played on, and then I found like a newer version. I just realized this picture is really pixelated so sorry about that. But the basic premise of Shoots and Ladders, if you've never played, is you roll like a spinny wheel or a dice or something that tells you how many spaces to move, and you really, really want to climb the ladder to get to a higher space. And so there's some short ladders that you can see on the screen, some middle-sized. There's one from square number 28 that basically takes you all the way up to the top. So that one is like, that's big money. That is a big money square right there, number 28. You always want to land on that. You can see the shoots are the red things, and they uh, if you land on the square with a chute that starts in that square. You slide all the way back down. So the goal is to get to that 100 in the very corner, um, and you're trying to climb all these ladders and uh, not fall down the chutes, and you're trying to, to get to the end first. And I just started to think about how this game is a really interesting metaphor for how our culture approaches relationships. We have placed value on specific relationship statuses and less value on other relationship 
statuses. And I don't think that our culture has done that intentionally. I don't think that maybe the church has done that intentionally. But there are different things that get highlighted on social media and in advertising and all that sorts of stuff um, that really seem to push us towards climbing the ladder of climbing relationship statuses that increase your involvement with a certain someone, with a special someone in your life. And so um, I think that often in our culture, and maybe you feel like you resonate with this, we'll place singlehood at the bottom and you're trying to climb this ladder of like, okay, is this person interested in me? Yeah, they are. Let's go. They're interested in me. I'm interested in them. That's great. This is great. So we start climbing this ladder and then maybe you hit a shoot and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so bummed. Um, Or maybe you like get a little bit higher on the ladder and you're like, this is great, 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 right? There's all of these different ways that we try to climb the relationship ladder and we get so disappointed when we hit a shoot. And a shoot just, (laughs) wait for it, shoots us back down into a relationship status that we're not okay with. And generally, and again, here's where a generalization comes in. Generally, if you're really excited about climbing that ladder, the shoot leads you back down, quote unquote, down to singleness and to singlehood. And our culture has not found ways to value singlehood, to uphold that relationship status. And I know here at Revive, we have a lot of people who are single. And so I wanted to take the time as we begin this relationship status series to talk about, um, to talk about this and to talk about how we might feel this in our souls, that whole shoot thing. So here's a place that I really just wanted to start. This is baseline. In case you didn't know, singleness is not a condition to be cured. (laughs) And sometimes we treat it like it is. uh, Like, I just can't wait to not be single. I can't wait to X, Y, Z. Do you know anyone? Um, Or maybe we think like, Uh, We just get really sick of Aunt Susan asking us at Thanksgiving, um, whether it's COVID Thanksgiving or a normal Thanksgiving, like, so is there anyone special in your life? And you're like, no, Aunt Susan. (laughs) And she's like, oh, honey, it's going to be fine. There's someone out there for you. And that reassurance leads you to believe that somehow there's something wrong with being single and there's something better if you're somehow partnered with someone else. And something I would just like to say right out of the gate is if relationships um, and being partnered were really, they are important. They are absolutely important and bring so much value to life. But I also think it's interesting that Jesus wasn't Jesus was single. And if there was something wrong with being single, then clearly the only person in the entire universe who's ever been perfect wouldn't have been single. And so singleness is not a condition to be cured, but so often we act like it is. So there's nothing uh, to solve about being single. And I think it really comes down to our culture's fear of being alone. And the, the value or, or abs, um, absence of value that we place on being alone and being by yourself, because that's the reassurance that people like Aunt Susan, and I'm sure Aunt Susan, whoever she is, if any of you have an Aunt Susan, I'm sure she's wonderful and lovely, right? Um, but there's a value that gets placed on, on being partnered. And I think it's because of our culture's just total fear of being alone. And so I think that's where this comes from. Now, Being alone is not necessarily what we were created for. And so I wanted to start with some biblical foundations of of all of this, of relationship status, of singlehood. And so um, in the book of Genesis, at the very, very beginning of scripture, when we read the creation account or creation accounts, because there's actually two creation accounts in scripture. In Genesis 1, it says that God creates the sky and the land and the birds and the, the, the animals and all the things that grow, all the trees, everything. And then God creates humans. And God says, I'm going 
going to create these humans in my image. But actually, I meant to put a verse up here and I didn't. The verse doesn't say God wants to make someone in my image. It says God wants to make someone in our image. God uses plural language to say we are going to create humans in our image. And what that little word our tells us is what uh, we know throughout the church about the Trinity, that God exists in community, that God exists in relationship as God, Father, Jesus, the Son, Word made flesh as the Holy Spirit. Um, those aren't different parts of the same God. They're not different expressions of the same God. They are all one, but yet we know that God lets us experience God in these really, really special ways as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and it's still one God altogether. So this one God, somehow who is one, yet also exists in community with one another, has made God, has made us in that same image. We are made in relationship. We are made to be in relationship with one another. And as if Genesis 1 wasn't enough, then we get to Genesis 2, the second uh, creation account. There's a different order. There's a different approach to what the Hebrew writers are doing here in scripture. In Genesis chapter 2, it says that God makes Adam or man first. And then after God has created Adam, or which means man in Hebrew, says, you know what? Uh, it's not good for this one to be alone. And so then God creates animals first, which I think is fascinating. I didn't realize that until today. And I would like to do some more study, <laughs> some more study about that. Uh, God creates dogs, maybe cats first. I don't know, I'm a cat person. Maybe cats came first, whatever, I don't know. So God says it is not good for this human to be alone. Creates animals and creates another human to be in partnership. So we see right out of the gate that God has created humans to be in loving relationship and community with one another. We are made for one another. And then if you flip several pages and you get to this verse that you see on the screen in Ecclesiastes, um, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes, commonly thought to be King Solomon, says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Let's read that underlined part. Again, I'll read the, under, the not underlined part and you can join me for the underlined part. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. There is something in you, in your spiritual DNA, in how you are wired, in your emotional self, in your mental self, in your physical self. God has placed eternity in your hearts which I think is so incredible. And so the longing that we feel for relationship, whether you're single, not single, whatever your relationship status, that longing that so many people feel for relationship is actually something that is part of our spiritual DNA. It's okay to have longing to be in community, to have relationships, to have love in your life. And the good news is that God hasn't created you with eternity in your heart without providing a way for you to have that. That's that fulfillment. Um, so God has created you primarily to be in relationship with God. That eternity is meant for your relationship with God that maybe you feel when you walk in the building. Sometimes people here at Hope will say, I walk into the building and I just started crying and I can't stop crying and I don't know why. And we'll often say, if we don't know them, we'll just be like, yeah, that's so great. We're so glad you're here. Sometimes people feel emotional when they get here, you know? It just kind of feels like a safe space. Sometimes if we know people a little bit better, like if you ever take one of our prayer classes here at Hope, please hands down take one of, a prayer, one of the prayer classes here at Hope. There's a ton of them. A really good one is called Let Prayer Change Your Life. 
Watch out, it might change your life. <laughs> and, uh, and we talk in that class about how actually if you start crying or the goosebumps that you might feel, that's actually God's Holy Spirit encountering you and you were designed to encounter God. You are made to feel God's presence with you, living in you, moving through you and out into the world. And so um, I think it's fascinating that actually the, the author of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon, was not only one of the wisest people, if not the wisest person that has ever lived. He also, towards the end of his life, just kind of gave up on some of his faith and his relationship with God. (laughs) He was not single. He actually had 300 wives and 700 concubines. So the man (laughs) had no opportunities to be lonely. If he didn't want to be lonely, he didn't have to be lonely. But then at the end of his life, it's thought that maybe Ecclesiastes is, um, is written towards the end. Like, yeah, he'd gotten a little bit cynical, but he, his wisdom was still there to be able to say, even when he'd kind of lost his way, when he'd kind of lost some of his faith, he was still able to come back to it and to write about some of the things that had happened in his relationship life. And so I think we can see in Solomon's words that longing that Solomon had felt pre, you know, having all these women involved in his life and then post having all these women involved in his life, that God has placed eternity in his heart and that God will meet us in that eternity. And also, um, if you go to the, the next slide, there's this beautiful quote from St. Augustine of Hippo, the early African, North African theologian who wrote really early in like uh, three, uh, three and 400 um, CE. He wrote, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Just early, early church. This is still something that the early church knew that early theologians were writing about that our hearts are restless until they, they write, until they, until they find their rest in you. It's interesting, I'm going a little off notes here, but St. Augustine also wrote something really interesting about the church. He said that the church is a whore, but she is also my mother. That people, that the church is not like as an institution, that the people of God, the body of Christ, we see this all throughout scripture from the beginning of time. We're made for a relationship with God and then try to find that satisfaction with anything other than God. And, and that satisfaction can only primarily be found in God. We are made for relationships, but let's get the order of, of, of these priorities straight. So our, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, wrote St. Augustine. And so... So that's the foundation. If we want a relationship, that's awesome. You're wired for a relationship. Just know that that void that you may feel in your life is something that God has designed you to to be fulfilled by a relationship with God. And so I love that you're here, Revive. I love that you're here, that you're worshiping. Maybe you come to Hope on weekends. Maybe there's another church that you're a part of. That's awesome. We're all on the same team. Make regular time in your schedule to be in the house of God with other people. It's not that you can't worship God wherever it is that you are, but make a, pri- make a priority in your life to, to have this space to come and to worship because God promises to meet us here and, and to give us this peace here and also wherever it is that you are, whenever you pray, whenever you, whenever you cry out to God like Austin read in the psalm earlier tonight. And so when I talk about relationships with young adults, with when I have one-on-ones or coffee or whatever, I'm not going to air anyone's business in case you're wondering. But when I have coffee with young adults and we talk about relationships or whatever, one of the primary things that I hear from young adults who are single is, I just don't want to end up alone. Like I, just, I just, 
I don't, I'm scared that maybe I'm going to end up alone. And is there anyone out there for me? Or maybe they're in a relationship. They're in a relationship. They, they're maybe kind of happy in a relationship, but there's still this nagging feeling that maybe this isn't the right relationship for me. But they're scared, and I get it, because, like, what if they break up with this person and there's no one else? That pings a lot, a lot of stuff. And so really, if we follow those, if we follow all those statements and sentiments, what we really get to, uh, as you'll see here, is fear. A lot of that is fear. Now, maybe you're wondering why in the world there's a dandelion root partnered with fear. Dandelions are not that scary, so there's not an obvious connotation there. We're going to just do a little exercise here. So when we talk about fear, one of the things that, that kind of came to me was, <laughs> was picking weeds. I picked a lot of weeds as a child. My dad didn't believe in, like, lawn care other than like the human kind of lawn care. And so, so we would just, we would just pick weeds. We'd sit in the yard, we'd pick weeds. We'd pick weeds in the flower garden. Um, I don't even think we learned like earned allowance or whatever. And so I learned a lot about picking weeds, particularly dandelions. Here's a terrible uh, dandelion, whatever. Maybe this one has puffs. That's actually not, that is not so terrible. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go into art after this. Okay, everyone. So here we've got ground. We've got this uh, dandelion. And the thing about dandelions is that rather than having just kind of like short, shallow roots that spread out just under the surface, some of you uh, know this from your personal experience picking dandelions, the root of a dandelion is just like this. <laughs> like that's basically the root of a dandelion. And it is just one long, that's a little too long. It's just one long sphere. You can see some examples here on the screen. There's not a ton of side roots. There's just one big main thing. And if you let the ground, you know, like after, after it rains, is a really good time to pick dandelions because you can just go and it's so satisfying to just pull the whole thing up, pull the whole root up. The thing about dandelion roots that strikes me about all of this relationship stuff and fear particularly is that fear runs deep. So that fear can run really, really deep when we're talking about singleness and relationships. So this fear runs all the way. Uh, we'll just write fear here. Um, and the other thing about, about the, the root of dandelions is that there are a couple, there's like some interesting small little like side rootlets, rootlets, I don't know if that's a word, but there's some side rootlets and uh, they all branch off of that main root of fear. And so when I, when I hear people talk about relationships and when I hear people talk about fear, I think that fear is like the main root, but there's all these like side things that kind of like grab onto the dirt around the root. And those are the extra little reasons about, about why that fear exists in someone's life. Those are the extra little footholds that that fear has in someone's heart. And those little uh, rootlets might be things like fear of being alone, fear of not being able to find someone who makes me happy, the fear that there isn't anyone out there for me. Maybe God forgot. Maybe the world forgot. Maybe all my friends are partnered and I'm not, and they're all having fun. There's all these sorts of things. There's fear of not being able to work through my stuff, fear of vulnerability, fear of intimacy, fear I'll just turn out like mom or dad, fear or whoever that person might be that you're like, wow, I'd really, <laughs> I'd really like to not turn out like them in terms of relationships. I'd really like to get healthy. Fear I'll never get over past hurts. Fear people will think I'm, insert whatever fear for being single. People will think there's something wrong with me. Fear of maybe taking the next step. Fear of rejection. 
fear that, for, that God forgot them. And so when we talk about relationships, there is a deep, and singleness particularly, whether or not someone is actually single, maybe they're partnered, but they're afraid, right? That like if they get out of this relationship, like I don't know, that fear runs really, really deep. And it can really, uh, it can be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Tenacious. <laughs> and so when we talk about singleness, there's that fear, um, there's that fear there. So here's the thing that I think is interesting. We're gonna keep drawing here. The thing that strikes me about this root of fear is that if we start at the bottom of the fear and we try to work our way up and out of it, sorry if you guys can't, over here can't see, we're gonna, we're gonna try to just get our way out of this fear. I think what we generally try to do to get out of the bottom of the sphere is it just is like shoots and ladders. Try and get our way up a relationship status so we can climb our way out of the fear because with every rung higher that we get in a relationship status that the, that the world has told us is hierarchical and you're somehow better or more safe or whatever, if, if you're higher on like a relationship ladder, right? We try to climb our way out of that fear by getting into a relationship, but generally when that's our motive for getting into a relationship, it doesn't really go super well. And so as a community of faith, as people who are, you have so many other options of things you could do as a young adult on Thursday nights, but you're here, that tells me that you're hungry for something. And the thing that I wanna tell you is that God sees that fear that you have. God's very aware of that fear. And God is really excited to step into that with you and to say, I see it. I see it and I'm not scared by it. I know you're scared by it, but I'm not. I'm not intimidated by that fear. I've got you. We're gonna work on this together and it's gonna be great. I, I believe wholeheartedly that God wants every single one of you who's here tonight, who's watching online, who's listening on the podcast later to have a full, abundant, fruitful life that there's, there's just no fear in that life. And so all of these fears generally get compacted like in a little like trash compactor. You know, we just try and like put these fears somewhere else and like act as if they're not there because if we can fake it till we make it, then maybe we'll just go away. But the invitation that Jesus offers to all of us is to say like, okay, I'm gonna go with you and we're gonna look at that box and we're just gonna, as, as much as you can handle, I'm not gonna pressure you more than you can handle, but let's just like maybe start the process of bringing that box out and just peep, oh, that was too much, just the peek in, <laughs> saw all of the fears in there, and you're like, ah, no, I, I can't do it. <laughs> and then Jesus is like, it's, it's okay, it's okay. I can open the box, you can open the box. Let's, I would like for you to have some healing and wholeness in your relationship life, whether you're single, whatever. So let's, let's just peek in. Let's shine some light on it. Let me speak some truth into your life. Let me speak some love into your life. Let me speak some grace into your life. Let me speak some passion and fulfillment. You were made for eternity. I have placed eternity in your heart. Let me get that to you now. Let me get that kingdom DNA that is not just in heaven someday. It's not that you have to wait until you die to go to heaven and have the, the kingdom fully in fruition. Jesus is saying, let me bring that kingdom to you here now in your relationship life. Let's peek in. And so if that's you, if you feel like you really resonate with having a lot of fears in a trash compactor and you're really scared to look at it, get some help. That's totally fine. You can have Jesus help you. If you don't know how to do that, get a counselor, get a pastor, get someone like me or someone on our ministry team here and or or anywhere maybe there's a church where you feel really safe where you had some good connections we also have a therapist recommendation sheet that we love to give to people because we know that means that that's going to give you some tools to work through some of the things that you might be ready to look at 
Get someone to help you look at those things that you're scared of, that you're afraid of, because God wants to bring some healing and wholeness into your life. Because fear isn't the way of God. Fear is actually the way, uh, we like to say it around hope, um, fear is the way of the other team. The other team the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call it. We're not really worried about the other team winning because Jesus has already won. Sometimes the other team just doesn't like to think about it that way, right? And so um, the other team is just going to continue to get you to live in fear, to have a good, strong fear root with rootlets that just grab onto the dirt of your heart and your soul and your life and don't let that root move. But Jesus has more for you. Uh, This is the very first verse that my mom ever had me memorize, as you'll see on the next screen. This is a verse from 2 Timothy, and it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Let's read that out loud together, actually. Here we go. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That was pretty good, but say it from your toes. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That is awesome. And here's the good news. You don't have to conjure up a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline on your own. There's a lot of self-help books that can help you do that really, really well, but they don't always get that root of fear out. The thing is, is that this is a gift from God. For God has not given us a spirit of these things, but a spirit of love, of power, of self-discipline. That's the gift of God's spirit. That's the gift of God's spirit living in you, residing around you, and that lives in this place. So when we think about this spirit that God has given us, this way forward of of living into the eternity that God has given us now, there's a couple things that come to mind. And I want to give you a tool in just a moment to work through some of this. But first, we're going to, because I am a Lutheran and you're in a Lutheran church, I really am, I'm in seminary right now and I'm really loving learning about Martin Luther. I've learned about this pre-seminary, but we've been really digging into this in seminary. So we're all just going to nerd out together for just two seconds. So Martin Luther was one of the early reformers, and uh, you can go back to the, to the last one. The very first commandment of the Ten Commandments that we find in the Old Testament, where the Hebrew people were um, really looking for anything other than God to satisfy them, and really looking to God for anything other, um, looking to anything other than God to fill them up and to find meaning and purpose in life. Um, God gave them these Ten Commandments for how to live in a post-fear world, as in a post slavery world when they were enslaved in Egypt. And the very first commandment that God gave them was this, you shall have no other gods before me. And so Martin Luther, in trying to get at what God is really saying in this commandment, says this. He, uh, he, has, he wrote like a whole book about it. This is just a couple of sentences from the whole book. A God means that from which we are to expect all good and which we are to take refuge in all distress, that upon that upon which you set your heart and put your trust is properly your God. So I invite you to think about, revive, thinking about the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. God made it first because it was really important. These words of Martin Luther, if you'll go back just one slide for just a second, thank you so much. Um, That a God means that from which we are to expect all good and to which we are to take refuge in all distress. That upon which you set your heart and put your trust is properly your God. I invite you to think about where you put relationships in the hierarchy of where your needs are met in your life. And if there's anything that might be put in a place where you are expecting all good and to take refuge in, 
there's any relationship in your life where expect, you're expecting that to come from anything other than God. Because here's the thing, is when we go back to the shoots and ladders, like metaphor thing, all of the ways that we try to climb, 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 and then shoot down, if we're climbing, basing our sense of fulfillment on another person, if we're climbing, basing our sense of fulfillment and satisfaction and happiness on the idea of a relationship, there will always be a shoot. And that is because a person in a relationship are not designed to hold the weight of that expectation. God is. And, and thanks be to God that we are not expected to be the foundation for someone else's happiness, right? Like, imagine if that ladder was leaning up on you. If someone is expecting you to be the source of someone's happiness, it might be fun for a little while, but pretty quickly, as soon as you have things you need to work through, it's gonna, it's gonna become a really heavy ladder, and it's become, gonna become a really big burden of a ladder. And so if you go to the, the question here, I think the question for us is, when it comes to relationship status, what is your God? Where do you place your trust? Is your trust in someone or a relationship status? Or is your trust in the God who made you, who designed you to be in beautiful, loving community, who knows how to get you there, who knows how to root out all of the things in your life that are keeping you from that, from the relationships that maybe you want? God wants to lead you into all fullness and all goodness. So uh, we're going to do something that I'm really excited about. I invite you to grab the index cards that you might have. Because here's the thing. There's a couple of verses I want to share with you as you're grabbing these index cards. The first verse that I want to share with you is, is, is adapted from John chapter 17. So when you talk about fear, sometimes we feel like in, in our relationship lives, we feel like an absence of fear would be love. Like, I don't have any more fear because I am loved. While that is true in some ways that, biblically speaking, love can, can replace fear, I feel like peace is another good, like, opposite of fear. And Jesus says this about peace. That Jesus' parting gift to us is peace. Jesus doesn't leave us the way that we're used to being left, feeling abandoned, bereft. So we don't need to be upset because God's spirit comes to us. Jesus talks about in the same chapter that he needs to go. And so he ascended from a mountain. This is Mount Rainier. I used to live in Seattle. It felt really kind of fun to see a little bit of home in this, in this bird. Jesus ascended to heaven and promised that the spirit would come after Jesus ascended. And the spirit came like a dove. And the name of the spirit in scripture is the comforter, the one who brings peace, the one who embodies peace to us. So that is God's promise to you. It's not just my promise to you that, like, that Jesus is with you, that, that, that God has wired you for eternity and for an eternal relationship with Jesus, and that can start now. There's another verse uh, from John earlier, and this is a verse that we often read around Christmas. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. You don't just have to trust me that Jesus has come to be with you. You can trust God's word. So you can take, there's two index cards that you probably have. The first one we're going to do something with, and I invite you to not write any like super personal information on here. Don't write your email address or your name or your Instagram handle or whatever. I invite you to, as Isaac plays, just kind of in the quietness of your heart, we're going to pray and then you can do this for just a moment. Consider what's the fear that you have about your relationship status? What's the fear that you have 
about your relationship status. So I invite you to join with me in a word of prayer and we'll do this just for a couple moments prayerfully. God, we thank you for your spirit and that you've sent your spirit to us, that you've sent, sent your spirit to us in love and with peace, that the fruit of your spirit is joy and gentleness and patience and kindness and love, that you don't think about us with any sort of anger or rage or disappointment, but God, you see us as your kids and you are always excited to hear from us. So God, as we prayerfully think about our relationship status, wherever, whatever that might be, wherever we might find ourselves, God, we ask that you'd help us to name a very real fear and just put one or two words on this piece of paper that name that fear. Give us some clarity, God. So I invite you in, in just the quietness of your hearts to just jot a couple words down about the fear that you feel. that one down and if you want in big words on the other side you can write the word fear so it is very clear <laughs> then I invite you to take the other index card get that right in front of you get ready to write on it you can write whatever you want on this you're going to take this card home you can write whatever you want on this what we're going to do is in a moment we're going to pray and we're going to ask God God if I give you this fear that I just wrote down, what do you have for me instead? So God, as we give you these fears that might be really meaningful to us, terrifying to us, God, if we bring you these fears, would you just drop into our brains, into our hearts, into our guts what you have for us instead if we, if we lessen our grip on this fear about our relational selves? God, what do you have for us instead? to kind of wrap <laughs> wrap all of this up. This feels maybe a little risky. I felt like we're just going to go with it today and see what happens. So um, we're going to celebrate communion. And communion is the way, is a way that God comes to us. And it, when we're talking about fear, we're talking about this root of fear, we're talking about this relationship ladder uh, that we try to climb our way out of fear. The good news is, is that God is on the shoot. And that God comes down to us in the person of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and meets us wherever it is that we are in our fear and promises to walk, walk backwards in fear with us the entire way. And this is one of the ways that Jesus promises it, is through communion. It was actually on the last night of Jesus' life where, let me get this out of your way so you're, we're not in front of you. It was on the last night of Jesus' life that he knew that he was going to be betrayed, that relationally he was going to be very deeply wounded, and that after that he was going to be very physically wounded, and that after that he was going to feel as if God abandoned him. But Jesus still went through the whole thing. And I am positive that Jesus had you in mind when Jesus was thinking about this undertaking. 
I'm positive that Jesus was thinking about your parents, your grandparents, the people that you love, the people that you can't stand. Jesus was thinking about every single person and said yes to this assignment to die for you and to die for me. And so that's what we remember in communion is God's coming down to us. And so if you've been around Revive for a while and you remember we used to come forward for communion, uh, we're gonna do that again tonight, but we still have the Lunchables because COVID is still a thing. (laughs) So we're not gonna break off bread and have you dip it in wine, but we have these baskets up here. And so in a moment, we'll have you stand in a moment and you can come on up as you feel led and you can grab um, a Lunchable thing and return to your seat and take communion. Um, And if you need gluten-free things, there's gluten-free bags here as well. On your way up, if you would like, I think this would be really cool, but you deal with your comfort level however you want. I invite you to bring that card that you wrote a fear on and to put it in the basket next to the communion thing. You can put it face down so the person behind you doesn't see your fear, whatever, whatever it is that you want. Make it work for you. And what I'd like to try, this might be a little bit of a risk, but what I'd like to try to do is at the end of the night for you to take a fear card that's not yours and for the next week, just pray over whatever words are on that card. Pray for the person who wrote it. You don't need to know who wrote it. So if you, if you wrote something really personal on the fear card, you might want to edit what you do or whatever, you know. Just know that someone is going to take your fear card home and pray for it, to pray for that fear that you've got because sometimes it's not enough to just know that God is here, that God's spirit is working in you. Sometimes it's enough. Sometimes we need to know that we have a community of people and this is a community of people that's willing to pray for you. So we're going to celebrate uh, communion because on the last night of Jesus's life, he said these words. Uh, on the last night of Jesus' life, he was sitting with his disciples in the upper room and he took bread and he passed it around and he broke it. And he said, take a piece. This is my body broken for you. Every time you eat of this bread, know my love for you. And then after dinner, Jesus took the cup and passed it around and said, this cup is the new covenant. This is my blood that is poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you eat this bread and you drink of this cup, you remember me. So Jesus commands us to do this and we encounter Jesus in this way. And this is a way that we can feel our souls be satisfied by the love of Jesus. And so I invite you to stand with me and we're gonna say the Lord's Prayer, which is our table grace. And then as the team leads us in worship, you are invited to come up and get communion and return to your seat, drop your fear card in, and then worship the God who loves us and comes to us. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.